With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to another edition of the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast. It's a special Wednesday episode here of the CF Podcast. I'm Jared Stansberry, joined today by Cyclone Fanatic senior writer, the grizzled veteran, Rob Gray. Rob, how are you doing yes, today? Sir. I'm doing fabulous. How about you? I'm doing quite well, my man. Uh, and it's my, my mood is improved by the fact that uh, this weekend, uh, two Cyclones will play for a trip to, uh, what is this? This is Super Bowl 57 now? Is that right? I think that's right. Ooh. Let's see. 59, isn't it? Ooh, Super Bowl 50. Man, that's crazy. Seems like just yesterday we were watching Super Bowl 50. Uh, but yeah. <laughs> Wait, 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 wait. Actually, I think it's Super Bowl 55. Wait, wait. Now that I think, I think I was wrong to begin with. It's Super Bowl 55 because I remember that the Chiefs won Super Bowl 4 and Super Bowl 54. So this is Super Bowl 55. Yeah, we're our math is way off today. It's 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 one of, it's it's one of those days. We'll see. Whatever it is, it's Super Bowl fifty something, right? Yeah, yeah, it's Super Bowl fifty something. Uh, they've played a lot of them, uh, and there's never been a time where two Cyclones have played in the same Super Bowl. That could happen uh, this year, uh, depending on the way the games go. It's been a long time from what you and I have been able to figure out. We did not do all of the necessary research for this. We know that in recent history, this has never happened. Uh, where two Cyclones are both represented in are representing, you know, the Cyclones in, uh, in the AFC and NFC championship games, obviously uh, AJ Klein starting linebacker for the Buffalo bills play the Kansas city chiefs on Sunday in the AFC championship game. And then Alan Lazard, one of the top wide receivers for the green Bay Packers caught a touchdown pass uh, this past weekend against uh, man. Who did they play? Uh, the Rams, and uh, they will play against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and, uh, in the frozen tundra of Lambeau Field uh, up there in uh, in Green Bay. So we want to just reminisce on each of those guys, some of the, the path that they've taken uh, to get to this point and um, just how much it you know kind of means for the program really to be in a position where uh, you do have two guys playing in this, uh, you know, on this stage. And, um, you know, let's start things off with Alan, just because he was obviously the more recent one, the one that, you know, I didn't get a chance to cover AJ. He, he was, uh, he left Iowa state two years before I came on the beat, but, you know, Alan is a guy that I think his success at the NFL level has not been much of a surprise to either one of us. I think that maybe the way that his, uh, that he's found his success was, uh, you know, can be, could be somewhat surprising, but, um, you know, a guy who, you know, coming out of Urbandale obviously was an immense talent and, you know, to think that he would be on this stage is, is by no means a surprise, but how big of a piece he's become of that green Bay offense and the, you know, the seat to see the kind of receiver that he has become for them, has been really cool because obviously the one knock on him kind of when he was uh, when he was coming out of college was 
that he wasn't necessarily a guy who had the ability to take the top off a of defense. Well, how do you see him score a touchdown against the Los Angeles Rams uh, in the in the NFC divisional game? He catches one for 58 yards and blew past everybody on the defense. So it's uh, been really fun to just get a chance to see him play here uh, for Green Bay and, and, you know, knowing what we know about his uh, his journey. Absolutely. And, and just as an aside here, it is 55. You know, once you get to be my age, you start to, you're, you're just getting way, way, way off. So well, you, you've lived for all of them, haven't you? I've been, I've been alive now for all of them. No, I'm 51. Yeah. Oh, okay. Maybe almost close enough. I can remember the Vikings for ignominious appearances. I can tell you that. Yeah. My yeah. friend laughed at me the last one against the Raiders. He'd invited me over. Even though he's a Broncos fan, he laughed at me as the Raiders dismantled the Vikings pissing down their leg again. Um, but let's talk about happy things, as you, as you noted. Um, AJ was fun to cover, but let's yeah, let's start with Allen because you, you mentioned that play where I don't know if the corner thought there was safety help or whatever. Because we look, Allen, remember at the combine where he had better speed than kind of people maybe mm-hmm. thought, and yet he still went undrafted inexplicably. I still can't explain how he went undrafted. I remember even interviews on conference calls with Kuiper and, and all that, where he figured he was a mid rounder, you know, and, you know, he, he's showing his ability. Like we knew he had like every cyclone fan. And I think most of the people that covered the team like us knows that he had, and that play it's so, it's so fun because it, remember that's the one where, um, where Rogers gives a little mm-hmm. kind of smirk. Yeah. And it's like, I'm, I'm going to my man Allen here and it's going to be a touchdown and boom, it's uh it's a perfect play. As a Vikings fan, it pains me to, to be happy for the Packers uh, doing anything successful, but um, in this case, it's great. And, and I mean, and another thing with Allen um, Rogers being his champion, uh, arguably is the reason he has the career that right. he has. I remember when he was uh, languishing on the practice squad Aaron Rodgers said something about him that just popped like among the media there that covered the team. Like, well, he's talking about this practice squad guy. Uh, and, and now he just needs a chance. So he really likes how he plays and what he does and gets a chance. I think due largely to injuries and immediately shows uh, that the promise is backed up by performance and um, you know, they can't keep him out of the lineup ever since. And I mean, that's, that's a testament to who he is and, I looked back at some of the stuff from the past, even when he, when he signed and committed and, and we were writing about him, I actually went to a basketball game he was playing in and he was coached by the great Brad Bjorkren. Shout out to the Simpson um, storm now. Yeah. Head coach he, of the Simpson storm. For, for Bermondale Jayhawk. And, um, you know, they had him come out we did the whole lion King stick, you know, it's like, Oh, you still sleep with your Simpson stuff to animal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's, he's, he, and he and he entertained that stick for years. Remember, even all the way down to senior day, where I did that fun uh, piece with the Lion King, with in, incorporating also, of course, the great Joel Lanning and Jake Campos as some of the keystones to that 2017 team um, having so much success, a breakthrough season uh, in in their senior uh, campaigns. But just so many things to go over. Like it, what's funny is our man Mangino, the fat, the old fat yeah. lady quote just was speaking so glowingly about him and what he's about, like, um, Lazard's work ethic, how he comes in and he's just like, man, he's, he's ready to go. And I mean, he showed that as a freshman, but, uh, all the names that come up in this, so, you know, like Mangino out of nowhere. And then thinking about that 2017 season, 
turning the, you know, Anthony Miller turned the cycling helmet upside down. Alan Lazard goes, okay, your, your, your helmet, Memphis Tigers, your helmet's going upside down. And, and right. the fun they clearly had in that game. Um, and Campbell's kid, I think it was Rocco was there at the, I, I'm, not, I'm not sure if it was, you know, but I think so. And, and they're kind of looking at Joel making bases, <laughs> some of the stuff after there's so many weird things, but the thing that struck me, and I know I'm rambling a little bit was how that season could have been better but for the famous picked up flags game yeah, and Allen getting obviously interfered with at K state as that was still just a house of words until the Cyclones finally exercised some things in, in recent years and obviously not two years ago, but, um, and to go from that to how the Liberty bowl was, I think is such a great example of the evolution a of Iowa state with Lazard and, 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 and certainly Landon Campbell, some of the other seniors that season, to go from being, as Campbell recently referred to them, the laughing stock, to a team to be reckoned with. And they really did that in 2017, even with some of that voodoo blank kind of seeming to go against them. They're in Manhattan, and I think it's just very exemplary of that first big, big, big step that the program made, and Alan Lazard was critical to making that happen. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think, man, I mean, I, I, I think looking back on it, it can't be understated just how big of a win that was for Iowa state to get him to come teams in the first place. Uh, obviously a legacy guy, his dad played at Iowa state and his, his brother was on the team at that time as well. But I mean, that wasn't something that kind of came down to the 11th hour, even still, you know, like whether or not, you know, Notre Dame was hot on his trail there right to the very end. And one of, when I think of Alan Lazard, one of the things, the, the images that will always be burnt into my mind is Paul Rhodes coming into his signing day press conference in the spring of 2014 or in February, 2014 in holding up his national letter of intent uh, as if it was a, uh, you know, an indictment or something like that, that they'd just gotten against some major criminal. Uh, it was a piece of evidence or something. <laughs> and uh, the speech that he gave about Allen, and it was such a ridiculous way for his career to start. Uh, but when, I mean, when you look at the numbers, you look at what he did in his time in, in Ames, he lived up to uh, everything that I think we ever could have hoped he would be um, at that time in February. Like if, if you had said, you know, that he's going to end up with 241 career receptions, 3,360 yards and 26 career receiving touchdowns on, you know, whatever it was the first Wednesday in February, 2014, I think that everyone would have signed up for that. And uh, he was every bit as good as advertised from the very beginning. And this is the other thing that's crazy is I don't know that he would have even played very much that year. Uh, probably more because Paul was like stubborn about it and wanted to try and keep him, uh, you know, ease him into things. If it had not been for the fact that Quentin Bundridge tore his ACL yep. on the very first offensive play of the season, yep. uh, but while blocking and then Allen was, yeah. uh, was brought into the game against North Dakota state that year, which was Mark Mangino's first game as the offensive coordinator. Yep. Yeah. That is, that is wild. And, and just was such a reminder of how many times when, when, when sadly the roads era things started to go South, would it be like the first day of fall practice or the first play or series of the season? So you lose someone to a season ending injury. It just seemed to become emblematic 
like this little black cat lurking around mm -hmm. is going to show up as a bad omen or hard manager of things. But it was a, you know, it, an opportunity for Lazard and, and he completely ran with it. I, I actually dredged up my, my pre-signing day story from the, um, when I, when I interviewed him at the, at the, um, basketball game. One thing to note, by the way, as a junior, he had 44 dunks and he almost averaged a double, double his senior season at Urbandale. So that's pretty good basketball skill there yeah, too. Yeah, definitely is. Here's his quote, because I, I, I basically said, you know, he'll, he'll be back in Ames again, but first he has a rescheduled basketball game against the little Cyclones on February 18th. And then eventually he's at Christ stadium where he's a legacy, blah, 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 all that stuff. And the quote from Allen was, I know my role at Iowa state. Obviously I'm a big face right now and I haven't even stepped on campus yet. I'm just trying to do my job as a player, a player to be, I guess. So that was him thinking about a mark that he was going to make that is now indelible. I mean, records and, and, you know, beating the odds. Once you get relegated to practice squad, you go from team to team. It's so hard to get out of that. Again, Rogers was huge in that, but it, Rogers wouldn't be saying that if Lazard hadn't worked his ass off to put himself in a position to impress Aaron Rodgers. His voice, of course, carries a, a, a huge weight. Um, so to think about him, I mean, his eyes were, he was, he was clear eyed, sober about it all and just went to work. And I mean, that's another thing that's completely emblematic of, of, of him and uh, what, what Campbell has built too. And, 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 for, and, and in all honesty, Rhodes built it to some degree too. It just unraveled on him. Um, you know, and, and that thing about holding up the letter, I remember it wasn't, wasn't it kind of a shot? It was at Iowa and Notre Dame, mm -hmm. something like that. who would kind of come in late. Yeah. Um, there was always this little bit of feeling of, uh, I'm going to pepper this with a little bit of, uh, uh, rebuke slash grievance, you know, when it's a great moment, right. It's a goes to the Texas win when you shut out Texas, and, and, and even though it's kind of true, I understand the point Paul was trying to make, but you say, we should never do this to Texas. This should never happen. Dude, this is a moment. It culminated for you. It wasn't a great season, not to you either, but the guys played hard, played great football. A moment to bask in and say, hey, this is who we should be. But I think when you've been steeped in that Iowa State tradition of always having to punch above your own weight. And for so long it was, Oh, getting to a bowl game and winning a bowl game was kind of like, a, I don't know, euphoric experience. Um, it's hard to dream beyond that. And, you know, again, what kudos him getting Allen in and certainly there's some, some help with, with, with his dad uh, coming there and, and his brother, Anthony was, a, was a reserve linebacker. Uh, I think a year or two ahead of him. Mm -hmm. um, but so many segments of what I would say it's built, whether it be roads helping to get facilities um, and, and fan interest to Campbell saying, why not us? And, and setting the stage for that next step, Alan Lazard there the entire way. And it's just awesome to think about it. And I, and I just wonder where Simba is now. The last time I wrote about Simba, his stuffed uh, uh, animal, uh, an homage to the, you know, he's a Lion King talisman. Um, he said this dog had like think chewed its nose off and it, it was, uh, he was kind of a bit battered and, and, and bruised up and didn't always make a trip with them. Or it, sometimes it's just in the corner of the room instead of in a, in a, you know, on a throne of sorts. But uh, I, I, it, it, it's, it's, 
it, it just reminds me of how much fun it's been to cover Al Lazard and, and uh, how funny he could be too. I mean, that's the thing. I think he played with swagger and he backed it up and then he could be really funny. I mean, remember the old Astro van he drove up, mm-hmm. up the thing. I mean, this guy had no, and I remember asking, but you still going to sleep with that? Everything's like, damn right. I am. That's the thing for me. This guy does not give a whip what, what, what anyone thinks of him because he knows who he is, you right. know, and that's, that's what he's always shown and he's showing it now. And now he'll get to show it on the opposite side, sideline of Tom Brady and the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Right. And I, you know, his consistency that he played with at Iowa state was just so, I mean, as good as Hakeem Butler was, as good as some of the other guys that they've had who have come through here over the last several years now, you know, I mean, next year will be, I think the fifth team, you know, of, uh, or I guess it'll be the fourth team since Allen left. Um, I don't know that there's anyone that you knew was going to consistently come out and perform regardless of the opponent or regardless of any other circumstance that might be surrounding the team than Alan Lazard. You knew what he was going to give you every single game. And I think the best example of that is the fact that, you know, there, while he was so consistent, the quarterback situation for Iowa State at that time was the perfect, you know, ex, uh, exemplification of inconsistent. Where, yeah. you know, I think that he caught touchdowns from Sam Richardson, Grant Rohach, Joel Lanning, Jacob Park, and Kyle Kempt in his career. I think that it, he had five different quarterbacks and never was any of them the the quarterback for more than, you know, a handful of games. It was like a revolving door for them at quarterback during that time. And yet you always knew like Alan Lazard is going to go out there and get his. And that's the thing that I, I think is, is so cool, you know, uh, to see this. You know that that's a guy who, you know, Matt Campbell talks about people being the same guy every day. Alan Lazard has been the same guy every day for the entire time that we've known him as a cyclone all the way back to February of 2014, Alan Lazard has been the same guy every day and he has very rarely ever let us down. Uh, And that's why, you know, it's just, I think that's why it's so cool to see him having success that he is. He is the perfect encapsulation of what it means to be a cyclone. Um, And there are a few cyclones that are, I think more important and more, uh, you know, impactful than maybe what he was from, day one as a signee or even as a commit, whenever that was to, you know, now even still wears his Iowa state gator. He's got the Iowa state gloves that he plays with. I mean, he, he is a clone to the bone and uh, he is, he does not shy away from that at all. Like that's, that's just who he is. And his consistency is what it's allowed him to have success with the Packers. And he's, I mean, he is a big reason that consistency is a big reason that they are in the position they're in. I mean, yes, their defense is better than it's been in recent years. They're loaded in some spots, but a receiver, Devonta Adams, Devonta Adams had a record-breaking season. But you got a lot of young pieces and some guys who are pretty inconsistent. Mm-hmm. Alan Lazard is that rock of consistency. We throw in with a bit of Adams' explosiveness and just all-around ability is fantastic. And they've had some good uh, contributions with tight ends. Obviously, uh, the running back position has been very good for them as well. And you got Rodgers pulling the trigger back there. But, you know, that's, that's a great word to describe him. I mean, consistency. And then, then he'll surprise you, right? He'll, 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 
Rogers will laugh because he sees what's out there and he knows he's going to hit Alan Lazard. And he knows that Alan Lazard's going to catch it. He's going to score a touchdown. I mean, right. that's fantastic. I will say in terms of consistency, I think when you go back to the, the successful road years in which they, they were on the cusp of being eight, nine win teams, some of those years they went six and seven, uh, seven and six. Um, I don't know if, if this could be a segue or we could delay the segue. I think AJ Klein and Jake Knott on the defensive side of the ball were pillars of consistency. I mean, even when they were hurt, they do stuff. And, um, and, and, you know, AJ Klein with this pension for pick six, I can't remember the NFL level too, but they had, I think four at Iowa state, uh-huh. four or five. I mean, he was always going to perform at a high level. So was Jake. And with those, I mean, those guys were healthy and together that Iowa state defense was fun to watch. And you think of some of the big plays that they made together, but uh, you know, to see AJ playing in his second super bowl now for on the, the Bills, verge, on um, the, on the cusp of it. No, yeah, yeah. Getting, you know, potentially getting there um, is, is a lot of, a lot of fun to see too. Cause I think he embodied that stuff that the stuff that makes Lazard great. I think AJ Klein had a lot of that same uh, uh, moxie and, and, and stick to it in this and, 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 and talent to, to really shine. Absolutely. And I, I actually was going to flip it over to uh, AJ, even if you, you hadn't right there, but um, you know, I think that when you look at the numbers that AJ put up in his time at Iowa state, uh, I mean, he's up there as one of the all-time tacklers, you know, uh, he's his like single season tackle numbers are in 2020 terms, you know, 2021 terms are, are nuts. You, you don't see many linebackers that are putting up the production uh, that AJ or for that matter, Jake not did as well, which is going to bring me to a question that I'm going to ask you here in a minute. Um, but the other thing I think is lost is that until this past year, AJ Klein was the only Iowa state defensive player to ever be the conference player of the year. Uh, he was the first Iowa state player to be the, the big 12 defensive player of the year. They'd never had anybody do that. Uh, even in the big eight days previously, they'd had a, several offensive players, but never had had a defensive player. And uh, you know, he was just, he was just a, a pl- the quintessential playmaker on defense. You know, he was a guy that just, you knew was going to come up and more often not do something special, you know? And uh, you mentioned the pick sixes and all that kind of stuff. And like his longevity in the NFL now is really impressive there can't be that many cyclones. I think, you know, uh, I mean, Matt Blair played a long time uh, out of Stowe played for quite a while, but AJ Klein's probably getting pretty close to being up there as one of the longer tenured NFL players. That's not a quarterback uh, in, in cyclone history, I would think. Yeah. I mean, is this his eighth season? Uh, well, he was a senior in 2011, right? Or no, 2012. So 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. Yeah. So eight, eighth season. I mean, yeah. I mean, I know Ellis Oz had a pretty, pretty long career. I, I want to say Tim Dobbins had a pretty long career. I mean, there's some guys in there that, and obviously we know Sage Rosenfels had a long career as a, as our favorite backup quarterback in NFL history. Um, especially when you wear the Vikings uniform. Um, but um yeah. I mean, the longevity at that position and then to go from, he became a kind of a centerpiece player on that Saints defense that unfortunately also took out my Vikings at one time, but and, and anyway, um, 
And then to go to another team and a Bills team that was downtrodden at the time that has built itself up into, you know, it's the best team they've had since they went to four straight Super Bowls in the Jim Kelly era. Um, that, that's ex- extremely impressive. And yeah, he's still that level of playmaker. How he's man- managed to, he was the opposite of Jake Knott in terms of health. It happened in college and in the NFL, the same thing. While Jake Knott would always have something happen to him, an injury, AJ Klein somehow never did. And uh, part of that's luck. I mean, certainly for AJ, you know, all, a lot of it is certainly for not, it was bad luck. But for AJ, it's a mix of luck and also that he just always took care of himself and did his job, whether it be, you know, getting healthy. I remember just talking about it. I mean, I don't know if regimented routine. I mean, he, uh, I interviewed Matt Campbell, one of our, you know, pre-fall, we'd go and do the one-on-ones. I remember asking about, you know, how many decisions do you want to make a day? He's like, yeah, I, I don't even want to think about what I want to eat, put on. I do the same thing so I can, you're going to save decision-making for the important things, adjustments we got to make. And I think AJ Klein was the epitome of that um, as well. But um, also at a time when he put up those numbers, part of the reason why, and part of the reason why he and not, and, and some of the surrounding players, but were so important cogs to having a chance to get to a bowl um, was the line was, not deep (laughs) to put it mildly. Sometimes there'd be a guy or two up front that was really good, but you'd have a guy or two that weren't, wasn't very good. And then once you got to the twos, you had a bunch of guys that did not belong on a big 12 field. So they had to make the stops that they made. So when those defenses, Wally Burnham's great and don't break defenses uh, really were successful that's because those guys were there um, because they'd get past the line and then boom, they, 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 uh, they take guys down and they couldn't get to the next level after that. So, I mean, they were so pivotal to those defenses having any type of success. And, and, you know, that's one reason why the numbers are so, so monstrous because you didn't have guys like we see now guys on the D line actually getting tackles. Right. Um, they had some good pieces of our, our, our friend, Jay McDonough, Cleon Lang. There were some good David Irving for a time. Um, they had some good pieces up there, but they had zero depth, zero, zero, zero. And so if anybody got hurt, there was, there was very little resistance and an ability to make plays on, on, from the front four or three. And, uh, you know, AJ Klein was the guy along with Jake Knott that had to, to make the plays. Okay. So, I looked it up next season. AJ will be the 17th Iowa state player to play nine or more years in the NFL or at the professional level. I suppose there's one guy who played his entire career or he got drafted in the AFL. So I guess he probably played in the NFL, but, uh, and he'll be only the fifth guy, uh, to play his entire career in the two thousands with the other ones being a tuba Rubin, uh, Tim Dobbins, Reggie Hayward, and Colegio yeah. Semley, which we should mention, I wish they came pretty damn close uh, if it hadn't been for an injury to Colegio earlier in the year to having three guys uh, on rosters yep. in these games and being guaranteed someone in, in, the, uh, in the Super Bowl. But um, if you look at years that people have been the primary starter for their teams, I mean, he's right there. He's close to the top 10. You know, there's only a handful of guys that have been from Iowa State that were the primary starter for their professional team longer than AJ Klein, and um, 
the question I want to ask you, looking back at it now, when, when AJ and Jake left in 2011 or got drafted in 2012, I guess, what, uh, who would you guess would be the one to play nine or 10 years in the NFL? Which one of those two? I actually would have guessed Klein um, in part because of what I touched on. <clears throat> Jake had been hurt so many times. He famously played so hurt so they could get that Baylor win to get bowl eligible his senior season. And then he had to shut it down. Um, he'd been so banged up so many times. I thought his talent was on par. I don't think he was maybe quite as fast as AJ, but his talent and his want to, as Shane Burnham used to always say, was elite beyond belief. And it was great talking to him when he did one of those oral histories of the, the 2011 when I wrote Oklahoma State to talk to reconnect with him um, over the summer, um, hopefully again sometime as well. But it, I thought, especially Jake was starting to get some traction with the, the Eagles. And then he had the, the, the weird thing where it was PEDs and it was like a teammate told him, take the supplement. And then it got this thing. And then he got the injury again. And it pretty much, it, it, he was like a comeback story again and again and again until he couldn't come back anymore. And AJ has been, so yeah, I mean, a long winded answer to that. I would have guessed AJ, but I certainly would have guessed that Jake, if he could have gotten lucky, finally, uh, good luck in terms of the injury front would have been right there with him, I think. All right. So then I've got one other question and then we'll, um, we'll talk, we'll touch on some basketball stuff really quickly as well. Uh, before we wrap things up, uh, this one kind of bringing it back into the present day a little bit more. Uh, I mean, obviously like when you think of the great linebackers in, in Iowa state history, uh, you know, it starts with someone like Matt Blair who, you know, is one of not only one of the all-time great cyclones or cyclones, but one of the all-time great, you know, Vikings and uh, an all-time great NFL player just in general. Um, but then it's AJ, it's Jake, uh, you know, throw someone like Jeremiah George into that mix. Uh, Mike Rose. And I was just going to say, where does Mike Rose rank among those guys? Where of the guys that you've seen play at Iowa state, does he hold up? to the standard of a, of an AJ Klein in your mind? Is he, is, is he on that level that AJ was uh, when he was in his, you know, in his college years, is he a guy you could see playing 10 years in the NFL? Absolutely. Um, I think Mike Rose has a little bit of AJ and Jake in him. I, I think I, I know he's been banged up a fair amount of times plays. Never, never probably as severely as what Jake was. Yes, yes, yes. And, but he's shown his ability to get interceptions. I mean, the Cyclones still have a hard time being one of those teams that gets a lot of fakeaways, despite the defense being so good uh, in the last four seasons. Um, He's, and some of those interceptions are so athletic, and some of the plays he makes are so athletic. Remember, even going back to freshman season, what was that? gift that was made, you know, about him just laying somebody out and somebody was trying to get there and just completely. Oh yeah. Against Oklahoma. Somebody against yeah. Oklahoma. They tried to, he, I think, he, uh, who was it? Trey Sermons tried to, to hurdle somebody. Yep. 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 Yeah. And then, and, and Rose just completely, 
I think he's right. I mean, I think, I think, you know, Tim Dobbins has to be in that conversation as well. Obviously a long NFL career. I think Matt Blitter stands alone, but then you've got a lot of guys that, you know, again, knock on wood for, for Mike Rose, that, that he can stay relatively healthy, but there's no doubt in my mind, based on what I see that he's got the capacity to be one of those in, in several years uh, NFL career making a difference too, not just a guy sitting second, you know, on, on the 53 man or uh, that kind of thing. I think the thing that in my mind sets, uh, like Matt Blair, like you said, he's in his own category. Uh, the thing I will say, like football is a lot different than it was when Matt Blair played, you know, yeah. uh, obviously you have to be much more of a run stopper, uh, a pure tackler. Like when I think of Jeremiah George, I think of just a tackle machine, you know, yep. Jake, not tackle yeah. machine, but like AJ Klein playmaker, defensive playmaker, always around the ball, whether or not it's in the pass, it's on in the run, rushing the quarterback, like whatever it may be. Had he had five sacks this season. Uh, Mike Rose is a, like, if you want to say like, who's the closest comparison for Mike Rose, I think that AJ Klein is the, is the best one just because mm -hmm. of uh, Mike is that same kind of guy. He makes plays in the run game. He makes plays in the passing game. He makes plays in the quarterback rushing game, like in, in rushing the quarterback game. Like he's just, he is so versatile in what he's able to do that you know that any system I think that he walks into, he's going to be able to have success, you know? And um, I, I think that, you know, if you want to compare it, like if in my mind, when I compare him to something, that's the only one that I can think of that it would even be apt, you know, just, I think that they are very similar players uh, just in what they're able to do on the football field and the athleticism that they bring to that position. No, I completely agree. I completely agree. I still, I still will say that Jake had a knack sometimes for those plays too, like the interception against Iowa with the play he made to tip it for the 2011 win at Oklahoma state, that AJ was that guy. Yes. You watched him run and you watched him get in a position for say like interceptions where he's in a position then to do something with the ball. Mm -hmm. That was, I mean, he was just utterly elite in that way and uncanny in his ability. You know, they both had great nose for the football and Mike Rose is right there as well. Well, they, played the, they played the same position, didn't they? Was did AJ play the same? AJ, AJ was the same. Yeah, AJ yeah. Was yeah. Sam. I was gonna say I thought that they played the same. And like Jake was and, the Mike. And think about the time when he was playing the Sam backer spot. You know, in the in that Big Twelve, when yeah. you're facing that with the wide open Missouri offenses, the wide open mm -hmm. Oklahoma offenses, the wide open Oklahoma State offenses, like that was. Man, that was the Big Twelve putting up 550 yards of total offense, like at its peak. You know, yeah. that was as tough as Mike or Rose's more. job yeah. is, or more. Yeah, like as tough as Mike Rose's job is right now, and we know how difficult that transition was for him, and he's talked about that a lot of times. Uh, <laughs> like, it, good luck, man. Anybody that's put in a position where you're a linebacker and like you've got to cover slot receivers and some of those offenses that they were having to face. Well, yeah, and, and they were and, and defensive coordinators were still trying to figure out how to counter that. And thank God for John Haycock and, and some other innovators that have found a way to, 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 to slow that down and basically shut it down at times. I mean, there were games where that bend the don't break Iowa State defense did give up 550 yards, but they held the opponent to maybe 30 to 31 points held them to 31. 35, 31, yeah. yeah, you know, or or, 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 you know, or, or because that's just how everything was built and right. it just didn't have the scheme or the, the full array of athletes and, and depth to counter that hardly any defense did. Um, 
so yeah, that was the what the Wild West, the 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 zany Big Twelve, you know, and it was just yeah, try, the offenses were so far ahead and trying to catch up. So yeah, that's a big difference. And another reason why you you won't see Mike Rose making the amount of tackles that an AJ Klein did or a Jake Knock did or a Jeremiah George did, because guys up front they're getting some of those tackles and right. uh, different different approach. Teams are a little bit like you know they're still spread, they're still tempo, but there's a lot more emphasis on the run game because that can win you a lot of football games too. And, and, and the time of wide open spread and pass, 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 pass is, is run its course. Right. For sure. All right. Let's uh, let's be a little more uh, of a bummer here to close things out, I suppose would be the best way to put it uh, and touch on this basketball situation right now. Um, we'll full disclosure on our end. Like we don't, uh, we don't have a great idea of what the, the situation is. We, I think that both of us have a general idea, um, of, of where, where things stand, but you know, I, I, I don't know when they're going to play again. You know, this thing is just so difficult to, to project because of, of how the virus spreads. And, um, when you, you know, like, they went down to Lawrence. They were all traveling together. You just don't, you don't have a, you don't know. And, um, you know, I didn't necessarily expect them to cancel that game on Saturday or postpone the game against Texas tech on Saturday. I guess I wasn't surprised to see it. Uh, but that's where, you know, with the game scheduled for only two days later against Oklahoma state, I'm not quite sure what the status of that game will be. Uh, just because I, I don't know what is going to, you know, what factors are going to have to come into play, how many players are going to be available, how many of them are staff members or, or things like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no doubt. And once it gets to be a bit of a problem, and that's why going back to football, you know, yes, Matt Campbell, Jamie Pollard, everyone in the, the, the stressing health and safety and players adhering to it were, it was done remarkably well. And everyone deserves a great deal of credit for the discipline in that. But even Campbell said, Hey, there's a measure of luck here. Stuff can just happen. You know, you can't control every single thing. You can just do the best you can. So once, <laughs> and, and the bench basketball, it was going great for the longest period of time. I know uh, players did go home uh, for Christmas break. Correct. Yeah. Um, and it's been shortly after that, that some things have propped up, but, but uh, you know, it, 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 yeah, it becomes just a holding pattern. I mean, you know, I want to, I was thinking about an example. Remember when uh, the DePaul game was postponed? Heck, you were, you were there already, right? Mm -hmm. I think they were tested on site and they said, you know, can't do it. <clears throat> well, DePaul had already canceled twice, postponed. Then they played three games. Then they postponed two. Then they played two games, postponed. And now they've played two games in a row. I mean, so... I'm hoping the fact that this is, we're now in four games, right. That that gives them a chance to just bottle that segment. The first of the four was not their fault. That was, that was a yes. Kansas state thing. So three yes. that are, are of their, uh, that are, are Iowa state situations, but yes, you are, you're right. It's four. Yeah. And again, I mean, some of that's bad. You know, I know they've tried, worked really hard to, we, I mean, we both do that. They worked really hard to try to, to follow all the protocols uh, and really, you know, keep player health and safety at, at the forefront as they should. But yeah, I mean, 
I, I would hope that that's the extent of it on Saturday right. is, is it, but, but if, if it's not, I mean, it's not even fault necessarily. I mean, as, as, as we've talked about throughout this whole thing, stuff can just happen. I mean, we hear about it even from people who've, you know, how many people have you heard about saying, you know, so somebody's relative said, you know, I've worn a mask all the time. I did all this stuff and somehow I still got it. You know, stuff can just happen. And I mean, anything is indicative of that. It's a global pandemic on a scale haven't seen for a hundred years. Right. And um, just hope they can get back because, you know, we saw some good things and then we saw some head shakingly really bad things. So we saw a team that really looked like they wanted to compete uh, in a lot of games against high level competition um, and then come crashing down again. Right. <laughs> just be nice to see them be able to, to get on the floor soon and see what they can do to, to, to turn that ship around a little bit. Cause they're, I mean, you've seen them in person, obviously a lot more than I have. There, there are some pieces there. They're just still not fully meshed. Mm-hmm. And you know, there's, there's a chance to, to lay the groundwork for some good things, but that with all the good recruits coming in next season and all that to lay the groundwork for, for being really back next season. Um, and hopefully they can get out there and, and show that. Yeah. And I think that I would say too, that, you know, the Oklahoma state game on Monday, I don't know, I'm not going to put a percentage on it, but I could see it going either way just because it's so close after Saturday. I'm only obviously two days, like what can change and how much can really change in two days will be interesting to see. And then, but I will add to that. They're not scheduled again, not scheduled to play again until Saturday. Uh, unless they, you know, one of these games is able to get shuffled around and uh, maybe move to midweek or something like that. So I, I am confident that they will play that game against Mississippi state, but that game against Oklahoma state, I, you know, it, it would not surprise me no matter which direction it goes. I imagine that you're probably in a, in a, in a similar boat, but I, I'll also say that with the way that the season has gone and we've seen this across the country, not only in basketball, we've know we saw it more in football, this does not shock me that much, you know, to see this, to see this happen at the point that it did, because it, I feel like it's probably easier and it's not the fault of anybody. It's just, it's like the reality of being a human being where when things start going South, the way that they had started to go for the team. And especially after that game that they played that Saturday against Texas tech, that I will tell you, Rob, what might've been the worst performance I've ever seen from an Iowa state team in Hilton call Sam. Yeah. Uh, that's saying that yeah, well, you weren't there for Florida and M that was, uh, I, yeah, I got that true. beauty. Yeah, I that's true. That beauty. Uh, but from that game and there. then yeah. the next day to get the Kansas state can- game canceled or postponed, and know that you're not going to play again until Saturday. Like it's yeah. awfully easy, man, to think like, okay, oh, I can go and do this thing that maybe I normally wouldn't have done, you know, yeah. or yeah. or something like that. And uh, especially when things aren't going very well. So like that's where like, you know, that's where I kind of land on that. We've seen that with a lot of different teams. And I'm not saying that they like went and I'm not saying they partied like nothing, anything like that. Like I don't know, you know, but yeah. Uh, yeah. it's a lot easier for a college kid to maybe justify in their own mind like, oh, I'm going to go and do this that I normally wouldn't do you know? No, absolutely. Absolutely. And, um, again, you're an indoor setting all the time. Yeah. I mean, we're not seeing that nobody, no, nobody seasons going off without a hitch or multiple hitches this season. I mean, it's, it's the, it's, it's obviously a, a, a a completely different animal when, when you were indoors, when it comes to COVID-19 
And um, yeah, it, it doesn't necessarily ever boil down to fault. It can just boil down to wrong place, wrong time at a certain juncture mm-hmm. in the wrong person interacted with, and then back together, breathing the same air, running hard in practice. And I mean, it's stuff. It just stuff happens. happens. But, and I was saying yeah. probably gotten lucky to get to this point without having any of their major teams have a stoppage, you yes. know, I mean, they had been since they picked up activities again in whatever that was August, to my knowledge, they, they had not had a team have to stop uh, mm-hmm. or to have to pause activities. So, you know, it, it was bound to happen eventually, I think at some point. Um, and hopefully everybody will be, you will come back healthy and, uh, and be ready to go sooner rather than later. Uh, all right, Rob, thanks buddy for taking some time to, uh, to talk to me. We're looking forward to, to some of your stuff here, uh, later on in the week and, and moving forward through the rest of basketball season. I know that you and I talked about some stuff yesterday to, uh, that you will uh, hopefully be having coming down the pipe. So, uh, we'll talk to you again soon. All right, pal. Sounds great, buddy. Good to be with you. Thanks everybody for listening here on another episode of the Cyclone Fanatic podcast. We'll talk to you guys again soon. Peace.